Hey, real quick, I just wanted to let you know that Gabba Gabba Hunt is now a record store. Well, not really a store, but a booth at an antique store located in Eastridge Mall in Gastonia, North Carolina. Vintage Village is three stores down from Dillard's on the left. And my booth is on the left side of Vintage Village. It's the one with all the records. You can't miss it. I've got over a thousand records, toys, t-shirts, DVDs, VHS, all kinds of stuff there. So come check it out. Gabba Gabba Hunt Records and Vintage Goods located in Vintage Village at Eastridge Mall, Gastonia, North Carolina. You are now listening to the Gabba Gabba Hunt Talks Podcast, where we bring you conversations with people connected to the Carolina's underground music scene. Your host, Mike Phillips of Van Huskins. true too but i uh, trust me i mean i say this uh, with no malice but he loves attention yeah, yeah. He, if you if you, have, you want him to talk on something for an hour i'll reach he out will to him do too because what, what i'd like to do is maybe a couple times this summer uh, while covid's kind of under control a little bit maybe a little bit because we'll I, I don't know what the winter's going to bring so i'm just kind of looking at summer right now maybe coming up here a couple times and trying to knock out two or three in yeah. a weekend you know absolutely so i'll start getting into getting in touch with some of these people if i have problems getting in touch with them i'll reach out to you or john mcclain or somebody that might know them yeah All i know right. i asked uh, todd goss about super chunk he's like oh i'll just call the merge office they'll answer they'll probably answer the phone you can talk to them I'm like mm. i'm not sure if i'm gonna try that or not <laughs> But anyway, we'll go ahead and get started. So today right. I'm talking to Chuck Garrison, and, and I first became aware of you when you were playing in Pipe, I believe. Uh-huh. Okay. But I, as soon as I became aware of you, I realized that you had a history before that, mm-hmm. and you were play, you played Small 23, mm-hmm. and or Small. Um, you played in a lot of bands mm-hmm. in, in, the, few, in the Chapel yeah. Hill area. But I always kind of like to get my podcast started by asking sort of what kind of a role music played in your life when you were a kid. Like, what's something you remember about music like stood out to you that made you think it would be something a bigger part of your life than just background noise. So uh, when I was a kid, I mean, there was the my dad was a, a Presbyterian minister, mm-hmm. so there was always the church music, and there I found there was certain music that I really liked and certain music I really didn't care for. Mm-hmm. And so I had these kind of like strong opinions about music at a young age, but I, I always liked music. I like especially music itself, not so much the the vocals and the and the, and the words and all, but yeah, the actual yeah. music. I'd sort of focus in on that. Um, well, years go by, and like uh, I took you know the, the usual piano lessons, which I actually wasn't particularly good at. I, enough to kind of learn the the scales and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I don't remember exactly what got me into it, but when I was like about nine or so, I, I decided I really wanted to be in a boy choir. We lived over on the other side of Raleigh, then in, in Wendell. Okay, so I tried out for the Raleigh boy choir, and I was in their boy choir. Uh, and then right about that time, we moved here, and so then I joined the Durham boy choir. And that worked out really well. My voice was really good then. I was, you know, uh, I could read music, stuff like that. So that was my first real music performance gig. It was in the Durham Boy Choir, which is now the North Carolina Boy Choir. Yeah. And we got to tour a little bit. Like every year we did the spring break tour. And um, it was just a lot of fun. So that's, you know, that's kind of when I started to kind of, I didn't have any big designs or plans, but I started thinking like, this is kind of fun. I really like performing. I like playing music Mm -hmm. and so I yeah, kind of aged out after a couple of years. Now, as a, as a kid, you said you grew up, your dad was a, a preacher. Yeah. Uh-huh. What about, like, what kind of music did you listen to as a kid? Did you get into any kind of secular stuff, or was it a while before oh, it was that allowed in the house at all? Or? No, no, my, no, no, it's Presbyterian, which is, like, very... Uh, I, was, I was a Presbyterian growing up, too. Oh, okay, so yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, there's nothing... My dad was not a fire and brimstone. He was very progressive, liberal of sorts, 
Uh, no, the most of the house, the music was all, what did I, it was just a weird, like mishmash of all kinds of stuff growing up, whatever landed in my lap. I had, I really like classical music growing mm-hmm. up to a point. I really had like old Beethoven symphonies and a, in a big box set. I had, um, the Barber of Seville yeah. and, uh, and all these records, but I only uh, know about that because of Bugs Bunny. But. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> But other records, I had my pe- my my parents bought me a uh, Beatles singles when I was little. So I had Yellow Submarine. Yeah, yeah. And um, Beatles were big for me as a kid too. Yeah, my parents had the records and let me listen to them. Okay, yeah. My parents, my parents' music was they didn't really listen to a lot of music. It's weird. I mean, it's a, the truth be told, I was adopted, so there might be a little bit of a disconnect there. Yeah, so okay. just like I don't know, but they uh, they liked music, but they just didn't listen to it a lot. I listened to music constantly. Uh, I had like the Star Wars set. I had um, uh, Johnny Cash. Every everybody loves a nut. I don't yeah. know if you, my parents bought me that record when I was probably like five or so. Like, okay. It was a yeah. novelty record and all mm-hmm. that. Funny thing is, you listen to that record. He is like Johnny Cash is clearly wasted yeah. for like a lot of it. Yeah, you've heard that. So it's kind of funny growing up. Like listen to this guy like slurring and just stumbling through the studio, and you grow up and you realize what you've been listening to all these years. But. Uh, that's a that's a really fun record too. It's actually got some great tunes on it. Yeah, all kinds of stuff. Like some kid stuff, like I don't know, Teddy Bear March and, and stuff like that. All these like just just kind of odds and ends, whatever kind of fell my way. That's yeah. what I listened to. Yeah, and then around the time I was like ten or eleven, I started. Well, I guess I listened to a lot of pop radio, especially like during the summer and stuff, like yeah, top yeah. forty radio. Then getting to like to eleven and twelve, like around seventh grade, I. I would still listen to Top 40 Radio. Actually, it was one summer, and uh, I don't know how old you are, but you probably remember the song, that Rosanna song. Mm-hmm. Was that by Toto, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, absolutely. So there were these three radio stations that sort of cycled through. It was G105, which mm-hmm. was the big pop, and there were two others. I remember, One was probably WQDR, and I don't remember what the third one was. But I, I, one day, it was the summer between seventh, uh, it was summer after seventh grade, I turned on the radio, and there was a uh, playing Rosanna, and I was like, I was kind of sick of that song, so I put on the next station. And they were also playing Roseanne. I'm like, wow, what are the odds? And they put on the third station. They were playing Roseanne. And then I decided that was time. I need to start looking for some some new music, <laughs> some better music. Yeah, yeah. And I was real lucky living in Chapel Hill. There's a great college station here, mm-hmm. WXYC. And I could also, where I lived, was north of town, could also kind of get WXDU, yeah, um, yeah. which just went on the air around that time. And... uh yeah, that was I was really lucky. That I was lucky in a lot of ways to move to Chapel Hill when I did. It really mm-hmm. kind of provided a lot of interesting, uh, I don't know, cultural outlets or whatever. Yeah. Then, last night after I left the show, I, I turned to WXYC because uh-huh. I mean I lived here for a little while when I was younger, mm-hmm. and I always listened to it then. Um, I was I will guess a younger. I was like twenty years old, mm-hmm. but um, so anytime I'm here, I always turn it on for a little while, mm-hmm. and I always think about how awesome it would have been to have had a radio station like that where I lived. Mm-hmm. As a kid, because I'd have found more. Mm-hmm. We had a WNCW out of Spindle, North Carolina. Okay, yeah. But I don't remember it as a kid. I, we kind of discovered it as teenagers, mm-hmm. and they played like during the day a lot of bluegrass stuff and, and country. Mm-hmm. You know, not 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 country like you'd hear on regular country radio stations. Sure, yeah. But, old, you know, good stuff. Good stuff. stuff, right? Yeah. And they play like some you know folk stuff and some you know adult alternative type stuff. But then at night they start playing 
wild stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, we actually got to DJ there for a little while, but you know, we didn't discover that. We'd already found punk rock by the time we found this station that could have helped turn us on to a few things. Right, right. And we totally missed, missed out on Davidson had a, a radio station that at night they played punk rock and stuff. Yeah. But we missed out on that because we were too young when that was going on. Okay. So yeah. we just, we, we had uh, the regular rock and roll stations, and so that's how we got into metal and stuff. But then metal led us to punk rock. Right. And yeah. it, you know, the, the rest is all history. Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, so. For me, what led me to to punk rock, it's got kind of, yeah, a couple things. First, a guy that sat behind me in social studies in um in a ninth grade. I was a good student taking notes, and he would just draw pictures. Well, that guy was was uh, Randy Ward. I don't know if you ever heard of a Metal Flake Mother. They were mm-hmm. a band around yeah. here. Yeah, he was a guitarist for that. Unfortunately, he died mm. a number of years ago. Guy's been on about twenty years actually. Oh, wow, yeah, maybe not that long, but of cancer but uh a phenomenal guitar player he really he he turned me on to the stooges mm-hmm. and i was already hip to the the ramones uh, my mom actually worked at the one of the libraries on campus one of her co-workers uh, had a son who was a little older than me he was really into the ramones and she, somehow she decided i would like them mm-hmm. and she gave me a, a a tape of uh uh it's alive their live uh, yeah. uh album and uh, I got a Walkman that year. It was in seventh grade, I think, um, that Christmas. And the first tape I put in was that one. And it, it, that was actually, if I had to put one moment in my musical, like, you know, development and just kind of growth, it was right there. Because hearing, you know, I didn't, we never had nice stereos. There, so hearing anything in stereo was pretty mind blowing. But to hear the Ramones live like that, that really, that really shaped. I was like, I was just floored by that. Mm-hmm. I had never heard anything like that. And, um, that record still gives me chills. It's wild. Oh, I yeah, mean, yeah. I'll, yeah, it's just uh, that that was a big deal. That was an important moment in oh, my yeah, life. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I'll tell you, I started playing drums. This is yeah, a dumb yeah. story, but uh, I was uh, seventh grade. You pretty much you, there were two paths. You could take band mm-hmm. or you could take wood shop. For whatever reason, I was like, I think I was still in the boy choir. Then. I'm like, well, I don't need to take band too. Although I kind of had sort of vague notions of at some point like playing the trumpet for some reason mm-hmm. i don't know uh but i'd say i'm gonna take woodshop and i went in, went in woodshop it lasts about six weeks before i like tried to sand off my oh, finger oh wow, yeah yeah got this big scar here and uh you know i got kicked out of a uh, uh, woodshop <laughs> so i had to get slotted over to band well i was like well i guess now i'm gonna you know i wanted to play the tuba because he used to go to carolina football games and the tuba players always ran around and were kind of yeah, <laughs> having been yeah, yeah. So I'm like, oh, I want to play tuba. So you're supposed to start with horn, but the band teacher was like, no, it's too late in the semester. You have to play percussion, and uh, so that's what I did. I got a couple. I got a bought a snare drum and a couple sticks, and mm-hmm. uh, showed up and I started, you know, timpani, all the bass drum, xylophone, all that stuff, and uh, that's what I did. And that just because of the fact I had that snare drum. You know, in the next year or so, my friends you know, start forming these little kind of proto bands and stuff. And like, hey, you have a drum, don't you, Chuck? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. Well, you're the drummer, I guess. I'm like, all right. So that was kind of what led to that. We just, did you have a drum kit yet or just, just the, dr- the snare did, drum? Did not have a drum kit. I just had one. I had a Ludwig, the Ludwig. Yep. uh yeah, big plastic case. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. And the plastic light, I believe, is what it's called. <clears throat> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Their little training uh, snare. And I used the case as sort of like a kick drum of sorts, and I just that was that was all I had, but yeah. that was enough to make me the drummer. Yeah, so that's how that started. So you, the first guys you played with, did you actually put a band name or anything together for that? Well, um, so the first kind of 
little just like jam sessions know, but the first band I got up with, this was another real lucky thing for me. The first band I was actually in was actually a band we named ourselves the band without a name. So this is kind of, which was actually, in hindsight, I was a pretty precocious little group. It was just uh, me and these these three kids from, uh, well, one was from Chapel Hill and two were from Durham. I didn't know any of them, but I, I got introduced through like mutual friends, and uh, sure, yeah, they needed a drummer. Um, and uh, it was my friend Karsten uh, and Tom and and this guy Steve Smith, um, who was a Steve Smith was like a really kind of a, a genius. He was really ahead of his time. He was like fifteen or sixteen, I guess, when we started writing really interesting kind of. I mean, it's all kind of riffing, uh, kind of like. Uh, sort of talking heads ask and yeah, had these yeah. really interesting lyrics and it was um it was actually pr- pretty sophisticated music for for the age that we were at now we didn't really realize it or maybe we didn't really appreciate it at that point or whatever yeah. but that was a really that was a really interesting fun band that i was i was lucky to be a part of just to watch someone who really had a real spark a real a real mm. genius about him that um and helping bring that to fruition yeah, that was I was really lucky to do that. How long did you play with those guys that that go on for or last? I, I think we did it for about two years. Yeah, and that was when I got my first shows too. It yeah. was um, so I you know it started showing up to punk rock shows and it was Ugly Americans. I don't know if you know any of those guys. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was Ugly Americans. And went to um to we used to go to their shows. Everyone, so we were starting to kind of dip our toes in the punk rock scene and all. And uh, you know, those they were super nice. Honestly, it was some of their first shows too, but. You know, we go up to them after. They were just like you know rock stars to us. Yeah, yeah. They they barely knew what they were doing. That was even. like me the first time I met Picasso Trigger. It's like you know they're rock stars, right? Stuff. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I was just like, oh my god. And like, and they we you know we were talking to. Them, so, oh, you know, we have a band. You know, we're we have a, we're very proud of that. You know, we have a band too. Yeah. <laughs> and I think Simon Bob said something offhand like, oh, well, maybe you guys you know could open for us sometime or something like that. I don't know if he meant it or not. And so the next time they played. I, you know, I, I, there's someone must have given some assent or something uh, at some point. The next time they played was at this place called the Bullpen mm. over uh, across the, the street from uh, Brightleaf Square over in Durham. It was just a little, it was kind of a Durham Bulls themed uh, yeah. bar. And they had a little stage in there and the Ugly Americans were playing there. We just showed up with all our shit <laughs> and like, hey, hey, we're here. And I didn't, didn't even have a drum set then. So um, was John McClain playing drums? No, it was somebody else. I don't remember who, honestly. Mm-hmm. I'd have to ask Danny uh, or one of those guys to to remind me. But uh, yeah, we just got up there and, and like you know, <laughs> he had a right handed kit. I play a left handed kit, and he's like, uh, are "You sure you want me to switch him around?" I'm like, no, no. I, I was so nervous. I didn't know I was gonna. <laughs> I was just gonna have there. I don't remember how it went, but I remember at the end of it, it was like we had a couple people actually watching. It was a really, it was a really interesting experience. Um, that's cool. I mean, because that, that, that's punk rock for you right there. Exactly. Uh, but you still don't see that too much these days. Like, somebody just showed up at a show to try to play these days. And you're, like, you're not playing. You're not on the bill. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No. It, it, yeah. It, well, you know, there was such a it was such a, a, a better time in some ways for that kind of. Yeah. Now it seems like, you know, you have to be vetted. And you have to have a good production on your demos or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Back then it was just, you know, your crappy little four track tape and. 
Whatever. That's what we tried when, when we were, this is like 92, when we were first getting started, we were trying to get a show at the Milestone. Uh-huh. And we had a demo that we recorded on a four track and we mm-hmm. just, we figured out how to, how to use it. Well, our, our guitarist kind of had an idea. Mm-hmm. So we put together this demo that I, to this day, I still think sounds great. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like it's recorded on a four track, but I still think it's great for what we had at the time. And uh, Penny just was like, you guys need a little bit more work. Like, <laughs> let me know when you get something else recorded. We'll see. So we, oh, just, we just went down the road to another place, and they were like, "Yeah, yeah, we'll we'll give you a show." <laughs> and oh, then that's yeah. when we started playing. Man, that's great. Yeah. What was the name of your band uh, back then? It was I had we I had two bands: the Style and Johnny Appleseeds uh-huh. and Popes on Dope. Okay. And we never really did much of anything with either of those bands. Uh-huh. Popes on Dope morphed into the Krusties, and then finally the Accidents, and we got kind of big in charlotte for a little while yeah. in the mid 90s but okay. not really that big we never really left charlotte either that was our that was our our problem yeah we just stayed in charlotte <laughs> yeah um, but well um yeah i i heard of the accidents and i think i when you said uh popes on dope uh, uh, but i think it, i think we talked before and you told me about that band mm-hmm. so i was, I was well there's a chance i mean because i i know back then when we met pipe and we would come to all your shows and we'd always okay, talk yeah. to you guys after the show and stuff yeah. so well, there's there's a chance that we handed you a popes on dope tape or oh and at, yeah. at that point it would have been accidents probably but so that's probably how you heard of that okay from from us meeting way back when and i'll have to go look through my yeah. stash of stuff maybe maybe i still have it I mean, it's you possible know. you never know but it may, maybe not i mean who knows <laughs> right yeah yeah i do i've lost more same records that I've actually I've, I've still got quite a bit of especially my local stuff but there's some stuff I've lost along the way that I'll never get back that I'll uh-huh. never be able to find it's because it was demo tapes and stuff that people gave me yeah exactly and like uh, weird stickers t-shirts odds and ends like you know whatever buttons uh, yeah I just got piles of that stuff just sitting around somewhere yeah yeah those are fun times man <laughs> I mean, you could just out trying to advertise yourself these bees are yeah, <laughs> they're a little annoying. Man. They're a little annoying, aren't they? That's all right. But uh, so you played with that band for a couple of years. After that band ended, what what did you do after that? Did you immediately start something else, or just um, was it a little while? I I remember no, that band ended. I don't. I think one. I think my friend Karsten went overseas for a year. His dad was a professor, and uh, he went. He was went. They went overseas for a year. So mm-hmm. uh, well, while they were doing that, yeah, I started playing with some other people um trying to uh, there were a few little bands there i just kind of zipped through they played a couple little shows here and there uh but it was about that time it was about during that year i think that i met kevin from zen frisbee mm-hmm. and uh and i already knew brian brian and i went to to junior high together and um but I met Kevin, and we started playing together. I think it was like November of '84 or so. Yeah. And uh, and then I think for the second practice, we invited Brian. I, I actually a little. I'm a little hazy on exactly how that worked out, but you know, these are just people I was hanging out with, and we wanted to play music. And that was the band that eventually turned into Zen Frisbee.
yeah, I forget when it got the name exactly. It was sometime in probably late 1985 or so we had a couple other bad names before that <laughs> any idea where that name came from yeah kind of actually um there was this guy who was at the show last night he's just a townie kind of, kind of like me just a, a local yokel who um he was really into frisbee he could like spin a frisbee on his finger and do all these tricks. Mm-hmm. we were all at this place the turning point i don't know if you ever heard of that place mm-hmm. it was down on brewer lane kind of actually right behind where we were last night it was okay. run by this british hippie dude named brian feldstein it was just like an open performance space, and it was interesting. That's actually where most of my performances were back then, because anyone literally could get up and get on stage yeah. and just start start playing. Yeah, so anyway, he's like doing these Frisbee tricks and all that, and he starts going on something like, yeah, Frisbee's a real zen thing, and somehow, I don't really recall how, we decided zen Frisbee was a great name. Yeah. Now, I... <laughs> I, it, now, being older and wiser, I realize Zen Frisbee is one of the dumbest names you could possibly <laughs> This community gets brought up on the podcast a lot when we start talking about names. Everybody's like, oh, it's the dumbest name ever. Mm-hmm. And names in general are just, they're, they're, they're a lot of times really kind of dumb. Yeah. You just have to have something for people to recognize you by, and it's got to be something that, that's not really already out there. Right, exactly, uh, yeah. So, so, yeah, there are a lot of dumb band names, but there are a lot of dumb band names that make killer music so it doesn't really matter what the band name is you're exactly right yeah that's fortunately yeah we as a culture have decided to kind of look past that (laughs) and make like you know bad band names okay to have i mean there's people that sell millions of records named imagine dragons right that's that's a pretty crappy (laughs) band name (laughs) that's a really bad name actually yeah my kids are really i make fun of them for it all the time (laughs) but um yeah imagine dragons but yeah zid frisbee uh it kind of worked out well because one of the what a Oh, wow. Yeah. A, I always forget to turn it down. <laughs> one of Zen Frisbee's things is kind of this self-deprecating humor. So what we thought was apparently for a night was a great band name that turned out to be kind of dumb. Uh, you know, we can, we can poke fun at ourselves a little bit about it because it is, it is actually a really bad name. <laughs> Even as bad band names go. We were, me and Matt were talking about this earlier because uh, his wife, Joanna, didn't go to the show. But we were talking about the show. And mm-hmm. she's like... And I said, well, you know, I didn't really pay attention to Zim Frisbee back in the day. And I don't know why. I think Matt might have, or somebody might have said, well, they had the weird name. Like, <laughs> I was like, well, I think they also played with a lot of college bands. Like, they opened with Dylan Fence and bands like that that I didn't really get into. And I might be wrong about that. Mm. But it just, for some reason, I guess it wasn't punk enough for, to catch my attention back then. Yeah. But then when I interviewed Todd Goss and he, he was talking about that 7-inch and saying that was the best thing he ever released, I was like, well, I got to hear that 7-inch. Yeah. So while, I think it was while I was interviewing him, I found it on Discogs and ordered it before we got off the Oh, chat. wow. And then it came a few days later. I'm like, why did I never listen to this? It's so good. Yeah. I mean, it really is. And everything I've listened to since is so good. So this, that was the first time I'd seen you guys play. Yeah. Okay, so cool. It was a great set. It was really good. Thanks. Yeah, that was it was a lot of fun. I mean, that stuff's really fun to play. You know, I played a, a couple different bands. But, uh, yeah, that band's like, it's the songs I've known cold. I've known them for decades. Um, and it's just fun. It kind of, you know, it's it's rock, but it's kind of loose, but it's kind of, yeah, it's that's just a fun band to play with. Yeah, Those yeah. are really some of my best friends and also. So it's always good to, to get that band back together. It's mm-hmm. not really a band anymore. It hasn't been for a long time, but we seem to get. Uh, uh, Every few years get the itch to play again? Or yeah, yeah, basically, yeah. We've, you know, we got to play that Cradle 50th thing, which was great. That was so much fun. And then, uh, and then this, and we're actually playing down at uh, Carolina Beach at the Tiki Bar there this summer. 
Yeah, but Brian, the singer, moved up to Buffalo quite a few years ago. Mm. Buffalo, New York. Don't ask me why. You have to ask him about that. <laughs> but yeah, every once in a while we just get the you know you know. Fortunately, people like Southern Culture, you know, know us well enough and actually somehow trust us enough to yeah not screw it up. <laughs> so yeah, no, nah, that was it, that was a lot of fun. That was that was I was really lucky to have gotten to play that show last night that it felt like everyone had a good time yeah i I really enjoyed it it was as soon as i saw the show listed and i only really saw it because cliff had posted about it because they were playing after the show yeah yeah and i saw that i immediately bought tickets for him like okay i'm I'm going to this and i bought tickets to make sure i was gonna go yeah i'm gonna go ahead and commit myself now yeah there you go yeah i was a that was a real fun that was a great night those outdoor shows are always it's been quite a while since I guess the play was my kids running around. Make sure they're staying out of trouble. Ooh, ooh. Something's coming down real fast. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, it always all worries right. me too. Yeah. No <laughs> scrape knees. All right, okay, I guess we're right. Sorry. Um all right, sorry, where were we? Well um, so when you first the first go around with Zim Frisbee, like we, we kinda of talked mm-hmm. about, you still kinda of dabble every now and then with that. But about how long did Zim Frisbee last? And during that time did you start playing with anybody else? Because I know how drummers are. Yeah. And you kind of get pulled in a bunch of different directions. Yeah. As a matter of fact, we might be looking for one right now. Okay, but, yeah. Uh, um, but so kind of pick up around the time you were okay. playing Zim Frisbee the first time, I guess. So Zim Frisbee was like, uh, I guess, what is that, like 11th grade when I started doing that. And I did, you know, Zim Frisbee, Zim Frisbee technically was a band until, I don't know, 10 years ago, mm-hmm. I guess. We might have had another break in there, here, there. But for me, I guess that was there were a couple of little things I did, like some of the guys in, uh, uh, the band without a name, we picked up the pieces at one point and did this thing called the sensitive symphony and other just total aces. It was like, it was tongue in cheek, but, um, and a couple other things like just people I knew from high school. I played with this guy that in his band, they were all college students. Actually, that was kind of fun. I got to get, this is the summer between, uh, high school and college for me. These guys are all a good bit older, but they, they took me under their wing and I got, they were all from Wilmington. They just took me down there to those crazy parties they had and, and play that stuff and hang out on the beach. That was, that was a lot of fun. Did you do like any touring back then or anything or mostly just playing local gigs and that just went off out of town? Uh, just, just really. So along the way we had, we had developed a lot of friends over in Raleigh, specifically Mm -hmm. like the hardcore scene over there. I spent a lot of time at those hardcore shows. Uh, Zen Frisbee made some friends with with so Zen Frisbee got so fast forward a couple of years the first year and uh, Zen Frisbee got taken under the wing uh, first by Snatches of Pink they were like the first band that said hey you know you guys why don't you guys open for us sometime I don't remember exactly how that all worked out but Andy McMillan probably said Andy McMillan is if you want to talk to someone about Chapel Hill music history you really should talk to him okay. the guy's an encyclopedia he, and he remembers everything me I just kind of kind of stumble through life and like <laughs> oh I yeah understand, that, i understand your side yeah of yeah yeah he where i he's just his, his mind's a, a steel trap he doesn't forget it so anyway they took us under their wing and they let us open some shows and then the bad checks uh kind of let us do some mm-hmm. shows with them and stuff um southern culture and then actually uh this is actually i think my first year of college southern culture was looking for a drummer and I played with them very briefly, and uh, they they kind of wanted me to drop out of school because they wanted. Yeah, yeah I wasn't one. really ready to do that. Yeah. So, um, but um, yeah, so quite a bit of a little history there. 
there were there were a bunch of little bands in there, but mainly Zen Frisbee was my main thing. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, and that was pretty much it through college for the next three years. Then like I think it was a summer between my junior and senior year. Uh, Laura, who I'd known for a while, and Mac, who's my roommate when he was down here for a year, yeah. we're starting to band up, and uh, they asked me if I wanted to play drums, and I said, sure, yeah. and uh, that, that turned into Super Chunk. Yeah. that you know started doing really well you know mac had a lot of connections a lot of kind of insider access i feel like from his time in new york Mm -hmm. and uh as soon as i graduated college in 90 it was like we were ready to tour we were like hit the road so i I had to quit zen frisbee around then that sort of had some hard feelings i guess yeah, yeah. But Zip Frizzy was kind of struggling too. It was probably better that they had a little a mix up in personnel there for a while just to kind of get the ball rolling for those guys. Um, yeah, so uh, yeah, the, the, as soon as I did the tour there with Super Chunk for a couple of years, and then things got a little weird there. Yeah, you were on the first album? Uh, um, first two. First two? Okay, yeah, yeah, no, uh, first one and uh, no pokey no, year, however you say it. And then I guess that first compilation record, there are a bunch of singles in there too. for a couple of years and then uh, that kind of fell apart for me and then I was back home I didn't really know what I was doing suddenly I went from like touring all the time basically living on the road and mm-hmm. you know to nothing I had nothing to do I didn't really know what to do so these guys approached me like after a couple months uh, a bunch of them had just moved out from Jersey and it was the guitarist from Small I'd seen Small mm-hmm. I, knew, I knew who Small were I'm like oh that's a and so he said, hey, maybe you'd like to play with us. And I thought he was actually inviting me to go play with Small. Yeah. So I show up to the rehearsal space, wherever it was, and it's these other completely other guys. Well, there's, there's Mike. Mm-hmm. And then it was uh, Ron and, and Dave. And I'm like, who are these, who are these guys? 
and I'm like, I realized, oh, this is a brand new band. This yeah. is not small. This is an, another band they want to do. I'm like, all right. So, uh, you know, we played. We had a lot of fun. Drank a lot of beer. Mm-hmm. Uh, just had a good time. And we wound up, you know, really having a great time together. And, uh, and uh, yeah, made made some really, you know, li- lifelong good friends that day. Oh, and, yeah, yeah that, that's when the band that turned into Pipe. And um, such a good band, and I, and uh, we already knew about Super Chunk. We mm-hmm. found like Super Chunk Seven Inches in Charlotte, and then our buddy Brad moved up here from Kings Mountain to go to school in Chapel Hill. Mm-hmm. And he comes home one, one weekend. He's like, "Man, I saw this band over the weekend called Pipe. You got to hear them." And he brought the Seven Inch. Cool. And uh, it was the Human Gutter Ball. I think no, it wasn't Human Gutter Ball. It was the Ashtray Seven Inch. Oh yeah. That he brought. Uh-huh. And a- we were blown away. It was like, holy shit, who is this band? So. Pipe immediately became our favorite band from this area. One of my favorite bands ever, honestly. It's awesome. just it's such Thank a great you. band. Thank you. Um, and it's it such a good band that when Mike ended up leaving the band, we convinced Brad, you have to go try out the Pipe. <laughs> so so you met Brad, and he tried out one time. But oh obviously, gosh. obviously, you know, Brad Brad's a great guitar player, but he's not really a Pipe-style guitar player. Uh-huh. So I know why he didn't make okay. it. But we told him, you've got to try out. <laughs> I, remember, I remember those tryouts, and... Um, I, I, but I don't remember specifically. Yeah, I, just, I wouldn't, I wouldn't were, think I spoke so long ago, I wouldn't expect you to remember. Yeah, yeah. yeah but, but those were fun. It was actually kind of cool meeting different people and listening to different styles and all that. And um, But yeah, yeah. Long as, anyway, we wound up uh, playing with Cliff, um, mm-hmm. who actually you know, I knew from way back when. Now, the mic left, was it basically just to concentrate on small? Or? Yeah, I think so. I, I think that was that was his main gist. He, was, he wanted to concentrate on small. I, you know, you know, I, I don't want to speak for him exactly, yeah. but um, you know, I think there was a little bit of like, you know, like it's time to grow up, kind of, you know, which, you yeah, know, th- th- yeah, you know, you go, you go through these, you know, we have phases in our growth where we just like want to not do something anymore, but mm-hmm. he's just kind of, you know, he's just ready to concentrate on that, and and uh, uh, yeah, which is cool. And I was already playing by small uh, with small at that point, so. Mm-hmm. That was another thing that happened is like at some point their drummer whose name is uh, escaping me right now, um, you know, I don't know things. He's, I don't know he just quit or something. I don't remember. But it was uh, just real easy for you to move on in there. Yeah, yeah. It's like well, you know, it's just, we already play together. We already play together. Same practice space. Yeah, yeah, all that. That's so. what I would have done too if I was. Might have been like, come on, you're playing with this band now too. Right. Yeah. Pretty much. That was we a need good, you. Yeah, it was a good lateral motion. So. Um, uh, yeah, I was doing that, and then around that time too, um, uh, my friend uh, Bill McCormick uh, was starting a band. He was like, you know, and Bill's a, a real quirky, really, really fascinating, interesting guy, great songwriter, mm-hmm. and uh, he wanted to do kind of. This was a little different. This was this was all kind of, you know, pipe was kind of the hard. Hard garagey rock and punk rock, mm-hmm. and small was kind of like you know sort of the main thrust of indie rock, kind of in that that vein. And he wanted to do something a little different, a little kind of quirky little. Uh, Jonathan Richmond is kind of the first thing that comes to mind. It's kind of like after the Modern Lovers when he just kind of you know kind of quirky, cutesy little little pop. And uh, that bi- that band was Evil Wiener, which I'm not even sure oh, yeah. you've heard of. I, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. So um, so I was doing that around that time then, and. Uh, Dishes that break 
that was kind of my life there for a few years, just playing in those three bands. It seemed like we played in town constantly, like every weekend. Mm-hmm. We're in Raleigh or maybe. And then Pipe started doing some tours. Small did quite a bit of touring, actually. We got signed to a label out in uh, uh, California. Alias? Or- Ailey, exactly. Yeah. yeah, same as Archers and yeah. Picasso Trigger and uh, some other bands that, that, that weren't from here. <laughs> and, um, yeah, so we got to, got to tour the... Uh, a couple times with uh, with the archers over in, in Europe, that was pretty that was pretty mind blowing. Oh, we yeah. some some touring of our own, which probably wasn't as successful. Um, yeah, but it was that was just those were good times, you know. Life was easy, and the rents were still cheap in town, and and uh, you know, supportive community. Be, being an artist in this town in the nineties was a really great place mm-hmm. to be because it was still kind of small, but. Um, like yeah, like I said, cheap. Uh, yeah, I tried to move up here in the early '90s. I was wanting to go to school here, and I, I was on a waiting list. But I didn't realize until years mm-hmm. later when I found my little card about the waiting list. I was supposed to return a card, let them know I still wanted to go to school here. Oh. <laughs> so anyway, I moved up here with my buddy Brad. Lived here for about a year, but I just couldn't afford it. Plus, mm-hmm. I had met a girl back home, and I was going back to Kings Mountain every weekend. So, what was the point in me living up here? Yeah, but that was that would have been a good time to have been here. But sort of tie this back into what what I was doing around that time. So, the accidents I, I forgot to tell you this: we were heavily influenced by Pipe. Okay, so much so that we had a song called "Home Alone and Drinking." That we after we wrote it, we're like, man, that sounds way too much like a Pipe song. <laughs> so at the end, we do this little thing that says, "Pipes, Pipe rocks, we suck." Like we we chant that oh at the end. Oh my of, god! I'll, I'll have to send I you know, a copy I, of that. You may have heard I, it I think this is ringing a bell, actually. Yeah. <laughs> Which, by the way, pipe. You know, pipes. Not we we're not. You know, we didn't. You know, this our, our stuff is all. You know, basically stolen too. Oh yeah, all that's, music, that's what it all right? is. <laughs> yeah. So I don't. I mean, we wouldn't. We wouldn't worry about that. But um. But yeah, also, no, this is ringing a bell, actually. And also around that time, we actually got to open up for Archers of Loaf at, at Tremont one time. So oh, that was, okay. Uh, like cool. One of our biggest shows ever was getting opened up for them. Nice. And, uh, yeah. One of my like sort of the highlights of my musical career. Yeah. 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 Excellent. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Those guys are so much fun to to tour with. They're just hilarious. They're 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 they're, they're a good bunch to be around. They're all very easygoing. Yeah, they don't take themselves particularly seriously, which is great. Yeah, and they're a great band too. So and they, yeah, oh yeah, um, yeah. Eric Bachman was actually in Small when I joined Small. Yeah. It was, and then that was sort of the same with him. He quit Small just to concentrate on, uh, oh, on the Archers, just, yeah. which uh, we did record a couple singles with it with uh, with Eric when I was in Small. One's called Chuck Chucky's Chucky Buzz. Buzz yeah. Chuck's Buzz. Yeah, I, that song gets stuck in my head a lot. I yeah. love that song. <laughs> Yeah, that, it was stuck yeah. in my head at work the other day. Probably because I was thinking about this podcast. But. Okay, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Saw you sticking up by the house, and you were taking your time, wasting my time, trying not to be.
talented musician and um yeah i hope to catch one of his he's doing a bunch of living room shows these days mm-hmm. but none around here that i know so hopefully. he came through charlotte at one point but i i couldn't go yeah for some reason but i remember him coming through at one time yeah his stuff is yeah he's you know i kind of actually sense that even way back then like like eric bachman is the kind of guy like when all is said and done we're all settled down in life whatever he could still be doing this you know he's he's just he had the the talent and the the creativity uh his voice is just so gripping you know Mm. that he he could uh, he still is so so good for him he's another one i want to eventually get on here but i I, I try to start kind of small with my friends and stuff so i can get Mm -hmm. some practice and then i was like then i'll start to get some of these bigger people like yeah i gotta fill in the holes you know they'll be important people from this from the history of the scene because mm-hmm. I try to cover you know North and South Carolina mostly North Carolina mm-hmm. but just because it's what I'm more familiar with and do they have music in South Carolina? No, I was gonna say there, there, there's some, there are some good bands from South Carolina I'm but just kidding. it's just like you know there are fewer of them it seems like there are yeah yeah <laughs> the scenes aren't quite as as the same as they are up here yeah I mean Chap sorry North Carolina is just sort of really fortunate to have the 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 diverse music scenes that I, I don't know that most states can can brag that I and mean, we've got you know in the old days had the raleigh hardcore scene mm-hmm. and then you had the chapel hill kind of indie rock scene charlotte's always been sort of uh it's always anchored been, by the milestone yeah, and, and it's always been there always a lot of talented musicians in charlotte we just don't get that much attention down right there. well yeah you know I, well you, know, you probably don't want to put this in the podcast but i'll tell you there's a pretty good theory around here that um 
that Charlotte's been getting the short end of the stick for a long, long time because mm-hmm. the Capitals in Raleigh, most of the elected officials. So there's a theory that my friend has is that um, Charlotte like didn't get a medical school. I don't think they might have one now, but for years, mm-hmm. so the UNCC was just kind of. It was a commuter school, really. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, it just didn't get. Cause Charlotte's a huge city. It's the biggest city in the states. You know, very wealthy and and should be a much more important. It's always just kind of gotten. You know, the, we've got anti-scene, and that's it. Yeah, <laughs> well, we had uh, we had a uh, fetching bones. Fetch and bones I yeah. we didn't have fetching bones. There was, there's been a few from Charlotte. Yeah, the, I mean, yeah, no, Charlotte's a. Uh, I mean, it's a it's a great city, and there's there's a reason. But you know, some places just like. It just doesn't get traction, but I think mm-hmm. a lot of it. I don't know. Uh, college town definitely helps, and uh, yeah, you know, the the scenes just don't seem to mix a whole lot either. We're 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 close enough, but yet we're far enough away. I think that it keeps from bands from from cross pollinating too much or whatever. Yeah, and that was a really great thing we had in Chapel Hill because you know we established a lot of bonds with with people in Raleigh mm-hmm. at a young age, and so I still you know know those guys. All you know know a lot of those guys for long, like John McClain for many many years yeah um yeah this is even when i was like i think it was like 15 14 used to go to the matinee shows of the brewery they had hardcore shows there every Mm -hmm. sunday afternoon coc played like half of them yeah um (laughs) uh yeah a tremendous band to get to to watch them grow when i was a young man and all that so um Oh, so where are we? Sorry, I guess we're still in the nineties. Yeah, still talking sort of about pipe and, and small, uh, pipe and small, and then um, also Evil Wiener. I, I played those three bands, and those years are just kind of a blur. It was just like a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, now pipe is still a band, right? Yeah, yeah, pipe is still a band. We've had a record recorded for several years was, now. I've been wondering about because you released one song off of it. What was it Walking Backwards or something? I can't remember what it's called. Oh my gosh, I think it's called Walking Backwards. It's a badass song. Yeah, and I remember like when the video came out, it said you know full record coming soon, and, and mm-hmm. I still haven't heard anything else about that. Well, it is actually going to come soon. Now, finally, we've we've got a guy who uh, out in the Midwest who wants to put it out and. Uh, uh, we were just talking about the cover uh, uh, a few weeks ago, and uh, it looks like it's actually going to happen uh, this summer or maybe early fall or something. Uh, you know, knock on wood, the wood here. But, I wanted to get the name of that song confused with another song. But anyway, it's what, yeah. whatever that song is, it's great. Yeah, well, gosh, you know. I I'm confused with the Ghost of Rock song now. <laughs> right, yeah. No, what, what song was it?
Black Lies. Was that the one we put out? No. No, that wasn't what it's that called. Is, if you said it, I, I would know it. I'd, I'd know it, but... Yeah. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. And it was a video with Ron burning Christmas trees. Oh, right. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then we're like... There's a... At the end of that, there's a the four of us standing silhouetted mm-hmm. from the burning. It looks like Too Tough to Die. Yeah. <laughs> Call it Too Tough to Die. Um... I don't know. That's been such a slow, slow process. Honestly, I've kind of, I'm going to have to relearn all those songs. We haven't <laughs> played much in a while. We did play recently. We played the clash, the uh, London calling thing. I don't know if you heard about that. The cradle was like back in November. Was it just like clash songs that you were doing? Or? It was London calling all four sides. Uh, one band each did a side. We okay. did side two, which is kind of the best side. But, yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, that was, that was a whole lot of fun. Yeah. Um, it would be. Yeah, but that was really the only we played a uh, we played a live stream from uh, the Cradle. Yeah, I watched that. Yeah. Was that like was that January of like last year? Last year, yeah. It's been and, a while, but I remember watching that, which was really strange. Playing to an empty hall, we did that. We, uh, we we right right at the beginning of the pandemic, with Milestone started doing some live streams, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I was like the first one to say, "Yeah, let, let's do one of those." Yeah. And oh, so cool. We played, we played one of those, and it was it was strange, but we, we at least had like I think twelve people in there. The other band members from the other bands that played were there, okay, and cool. like two people at the bar. Um, but it worked out pretty well. It, was, it ended up being a pretty good performance, but it was strange playing to like a. Well, I, I say that we played to like twelve people before. Plenty yeah, of times. oh yeah, <laughs> sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but it was a lot quieter because it was just the the mood was different. It was, yeah, and all the lights and yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it was kind of surreal. Was that the accidents you were playing with? This was, was a, my current band, Van Huskins. Van Huskins. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. okay, cool. All right. Um, so pipe is not. Uh, I'm trying to think. It's been a couple of years now, Mike. Moved up to Charlottesville, Virginia, mm-hmm. for work, basically. And, yeah. you know, Pipe was kind of, you know, sort of slowed down some through the years. We get in, we get a burst where we play a few shows and then really not, but not enough to really do any serious touring. Like, I don't think we made it out of the Triangle yeah, in a while, uh, maybe except maybe Wilmington. No, Wilmington, too, but... I still I like it though when bands do that. Like you know, you might be kind of done with your heyday, yeah. But we can still get back together and do this like a couple of times a year. Exactly. But I love bands yeah. that do that. Yeah. Well, Mike's actually moving to Wilmington. I think he might have already done that. So he's a little closer now, and mm-hmm. and we've talked about you know kind of picking it back up, especially if we're going to put a record out this year. Yeah. Trying to do some stuff in the fall. Nothing crazy. I mean, we're not. You know, we might. I don't know. I don't know where we'll go. But I'll play some shows up here. I'll come up and see him. Yeah. Please do. Yeah. Yeah, so that's that's pipes there, and I'm still playing with Zen Frisbee, obviously. Oh, that's what happened back in the '90s. I was playing in those those three bands, Small Pipe and uh, Evil Wiener. Then Zen Frisbee, like you know, it's time to kind of get back on board with that. So <laughs> and I was playing these four bands, and it was a it was kind of a lot, but it was you know it was fun. It was it was it was, it was just fun. It yeah, was yeah yeah. yeah. Um, now, during that time that you were playing in four different bands, were you also working a day job? And, um, or were you able to kind of sustain with what you were doing at that time? So, uh, I am a little hazy on exactly. I guess, you know, because I like, I, so I studied like math and computer programming in college. Mm-hmm. So, I had a couple of things. Honestly, a lot of the work I was doing between touring all through that time was just washing dishes. Yeah, uh, yeah. The hardback was the main place. It was this place uh, right there on the middle of town, which is sort of like a bookstore cafe. Mm. It's where I met a lot of groovy people. It was just kind of a fun little social center hangout. 
back then and unfortunately didn't last. But uh, I also was doing, like, I would pick up, like, programming jobs here. Like, this was, uh, like, data science. I was still in its infancy. But I'd pick up, like, data uh, database building jobs. I'd build a database for a psychologist doing research and mm-hmm. needed a catalog and a bunch of stuff. Yeah, I know. Just, like, odds and ends. I know stuff would just seem to kind of land in my lap yeah. every once in a while. I just know with four bands, that's that's a lot to do. Yeah. And then also have, you know, if, especially if you're working every day and then got to you know, yeah, rehearse no. four different bands, and <laughs> yeah, no, I definitely wasn't working full time or anything. Yeah. I didn't, I had, I did not have that on the brain at all back then. I was, I was looking forward to my life of you know rock stardom and just kind of chilling out between. It was actually worked out pretty well. I mean, I made it, so yeah. <laughs> um, at some point though, I guess I'm in my in my later twenties, I kind of, you know, I had. I had one of my little little periods like I got to grow up I got to mm-hmm. and then uh, but it, it was interesting I started working with these bond traders down in town there building a database for them and uh, doing some it's called OCR work uh, where they would get these faxes in every day and uh, would turn that into uh, actual data that you could enter into a system mm-hmm. and build this this catalog of stuff that, that in theory only exists on paper and that kind of led one thing to another. Next thing I know, I'm like trading bonds, which was oh wow, which was kind of fun. I mean, <laughs> that was um, kind of fun. All oh, the culture is real fucked up there, and uh, there's just uh, actually, it was it was very educational experience. Um, I learned a lot. I yeah. was still pretty naive kid. I didn't really know how the world worked in a lot of ways. So that was around when I was 30 or so doing that. And sometime after 9-11, I just stopped doing that. The, it just got really weird where I was working. And yeah, the, yeah. There was, like, kind of a lot of ethical problems in that industry in general. So, mm-hmm. Now, did you, did you keep playing music after? Like, have you mm-hmm. con- consistently played music, or did you ever take any kind of a break from it? Uh, I think there were a couple. The, not really. I think there was about a year there in the early 2000s. Pipe had kind of fizzled out. Small was long done. Uh, I forget what was up with Evil Wiener. I think Bill might have moved away at that point. And I think Zen Frisbee might have been taking a little break there, too. There was mm-hmm. about a year or so there where... And I was working really hard to start up with some friends up in New York. And I was just working... It was actually a really terrible life decision. But I, I was working like 12, 14-hour days yeah, yeah. To, just trying to get, you know, this thing going. Uh, and uh, just just became a hermit living in my house you know never leave never go anywhere <laughs> so yeah there was kind of that there was a there was a period there where i didn't play much but then i kind of got out from under that and sort of you know picked things back up so yeah, yeah a couple yeah i don't remember exactly when 2002 2003 right there okay. i kind of didn't play at all for maybe a year or so yeah but besides that yeah i've pretty much been playing consistently the whole time pandemic also went months sometimes without even mm-hmm. We took a little bit of a break right at the very beginning, but then we were like, "Well, we're going to make this our bubble." Like, yeah, we our families and and then the band, yeah, and then it, of course it was like, if anybody feels off at all, we'll call it off. Yeah, so we we took probably a good solid two months off, and then just started, you know, just getting together and jamming. Yeah, you know, I I always felt like maybe we could have, you know, done that, been a little more aggressive with practicing too, but it there wasn't much to practice for. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, there's that, and like. Yeah, you know, maybe it was just like, you know, we're all like, you know, getting in our 50s now and stuff. And maybe I do just want an excuse to not. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, it's like you said, I think, you know, you get old enough and like, you know, we got families and lives and all that. Sometimes it's okay to just sit back and say, 
We'll just get back to this in a, in a year or so. Mm-hmm. It's, not, it's not life or death. I've been playing, you know, more lately than I had been. And then just for the show this weekend, I practiced a bunch to, yeah. to get ready for that, which is kind of also telling. When you play, when I play drums and get sore afterwards, I know that I've <laughs> really been laying off pretty hard and I need to, to kind of keep going. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to more. I think things are going to start happening again. Yeah. Got a, a couple things lined up for the summer, but honestly, not much. But I hope Pipe gets back out and can play some shows. I mean, we're still a good band. I mean, I feel like we, we get together and play, and we sound pretty good, and mm-hmm. we remember the songs, and, and no one's in a wheelchair yet, so I don't know if we might as well. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad that cloud showed up. It's nice. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And um, Were there any other bands you played in over the years that, like you said, you laid off for about a year and then kind of picked back up? Was that all with the same bands, or was one or one or more of the same bands well pipe wasn't really happening then at all yeah. and small was long done small is, small is not not yeah. at all going anymore yeah any, any chance that that could see a reunion yeah, any talk- any any rumblings of that <laughs> we talked about that at one point but i don't really remember what happened with that i, I would be into doing that i know that dave uh dave hollingsworth who is eric's uh replacement He's up in the the tri-state area. He lives in New Jersey, mm-hmm. and he plays a lot of music up there. Um, uh, he's 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 staying active, uh, and of course, Mike is you know moving around the area doing doing work. But uh, he'd probably be into it. And the bass player uh, Matt, I think he just lives right over in Raleigh or mm-hmm. Durham or something. I haven't really I don't I haven't kept up with him much, so I'm not sure what would. But I would. Certainly, I would love to, to give it a shake at least. Yeah, it might happen. It might happen someday. Maybe the uh, cradle sixtieth year. Yeah, maybe <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, so that might happen. But right now, honestly, just between these like odds and frisbee shows and the the the, the possibility of pipe, pipe yeah. And even Wiener plays a couple shows a year. We okay. always play a Fourth of July show. We try to play a Christmas show. And then the Wiener the Oscar Mayer Wiener Mobile came to town. It was about a year ago. It was last March. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, they had a Wiener roast, Wiener Fest out at the Kraken, and had us come out and play. Yeah. That was the first time I'd played since the pandemic started, and it was actually it was a blast. We were just playing out in the parking lot on gravel. It was it was kind of weird, but yeah, the first few, first few shows out of the pandemic, you know, when the everybody could go back out, yeah, were amazing. Yeah, I was like, man, if this is like what the future music is, I, I'm definitely for it. Yeah, but then yeah, it yeah. fell off real quick too. <laughs> it really did. Yeah, it's been just sort of up and down. Like but at least back in Charlotte now. Things seem to be going really well. Like mm-hmm. we, we played a show Friday night, and there was a good crowd. Oh, good! Everything I've been to recently, there's been a good crowd. But now Charlotte really they the, the mask mandate went away a while back. Yeah, and it always seems like anytime the mask mandate's in effect, there's less people out. They yeah, want to come out. So. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I've been to a number of shows of the Cradle and a couple other places in the last I don't know, I guess six months now, and. Yeah, wearing the mask in there does kind of just puts a little bit of a a little bit of a hamper on the fun, but you know, but yeah, it's it's still worth it to yeah, get out. I know there. when I came up here for that Circle Jerk show, me and Matt were talking about that earlier today. Like, you know, yeah, I, I enjoyed it, but just the whole fact that the the pandemic was still pretty much in full swing made it just really weird, and it was hard to have fun at it. It was kind of like there were a lot of people not wearing masks, mm-hmm. and I get it, punk rock, and I, I hear you, but. But I was like, I already, I, my wife and I got COVID, uh, and we, we were, we actually, we were lucky. We, we had mild symptoms. Yeah, yeah. 
last year. I mean, it's like, you know, I just don't, you know, and it's funny you say that the, the, that show yesterday being outside was real liberating. I mm-hmm. think anytime you can, you can do stuff outside, people, you know, you can, you don't have to wear a mask. People just feel that. And honestly, it's just really safer. Yeah, yeah. Um, people had a good time at that show. Yeah. Yesterday. There was they, a lot of people dancing. It was, it was, it was an excellent show. All three, all three bands were great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought so too. I mean, and then Bad Checks ruled at the end of the night. I'm sorry, they were they were the best band of the day. They probably <laughs> they were. were. They, I mean, they killed it. They just having so much fun up there. I did. I actually played with the Bad Checks. I forgot to mention that sometime in the around the mid '90s there too. Uh, they needed a drummer. I played with them. I recorded a, a single with them. Uh, okay. Uh, one of the singles that came out around then is me playing on it too. They were like, yeah. when I was a kid, like yeah. 14, 15, when Graveyard Tramp came out, that was an enormous record for me. They were by far my favorite band around, One of just still one of my favorite bands of all time. And um, yeah, they're just a tremendous band. Yeah. Really, really great guys, too. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, it was... That was a lot of fun. I, know, I don't know the others. I know Cliff, and then Cliff's great. So Cliff's, yeah. Cliff is great. His brother Robin, um, great nice guy and hunter i've known hunter forever hunter was in hunter and dexter when dexter's first band this was before this is like 81 or mm-hmm. two this is before i was even really paying attention uh this band called the kamikazes who that's were in right. town yeah, that's yeah. Mentioned, i've mentioned them on the podcast before yeah, yeah yeah and they were they were freaky wild man that was they were you know kind of doing sort of you know uh surf rockabilly slash sort of a uh, cramps kind of horribilly kind of all at the same time uh wave it like almost before the cramps even uh, i haven't been able to find any music from that i wonder if any music or if any video of that exists that would be great to see that would be great to see i know there's some still photos but that's an excellent question but, that, I, but back then it was hard to find like, yeah. it's hard to find video of stuff like that because not even back like back then that i don't really know that video cameras were were they, they probably made them, but they were probably expensive. <laughs> no, that was one of the, yeah, my, that first band I was in, the band with their name. Uh, I don't know exactly why, but my Carson's dad was a physics professor and he had this kind of, kind of stuff lying around, but yeah, he, he had a, he had a, a VCR, which was for me pretty cool. But they also say, like, even in the nineties, like if you had a video camera, that was pretty, wow, you're rich. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. That was those, those are, yeah, those little digital cameras they had back then. Well, they were bigger. They were like shoulder cannons, but they had those. They, yeah, but, yeah, yeah. But they yeah. Were like, we didn't have one. I didn't know. I only had like yeah. one or two friends that had them. Yeah, and they were the friends that had money. So right, exactly, <laughs> right. It's always great. There's a, a couple snippets of, of stuff that were going on at the brewery around that time. I was, I think it was a meat puppet show mm-hmm. that I was at that I somebody unearthed some footage of that somebody took a video camera way back there in the late 80s and i was like wow that was a real blast yeah i've, I've started asking blast. some people about that because i have the the 
the ability to, to digitize all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So especially like around Charlotte, like I've, I've started yeah. asking people, hey, if you've got any old band stuff that you want digitized, let me know because I want to see it too. Yeah. And I want to preserve it so I can get out there. Because exactly. a lot of those bands that have that stuff has been sitting in boxes for a year, may not even have a VCR to watch it anymore. Yeah. So, you know, it's it's letting people see stuff for the first time in years. Yeah. When you wow. can do it. Yeah, that's great, man. Yeah, we, we need more people doing that, just trying to rescue because that stuff's just going to fall apart over mm-hmm. time. I, I've started doing that with, like, cassettes, old demo cassettes and stuff, trying to digitize those, mm-hmm. preserve. Mm-hmm. You know, because eventually, I'm, I'm amazed that they all still sound as good as they do, but eventually they're not going to sound that great. Right, right. And, and yeah, they'll get yeah. lost, and at least if I get them on the internet, there's a better chance of them surviving for the years to come. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, yeah, to preserve that stuff. anything else you want to say or um don't vote republican no i agree with that (laughs) although i don't i i I say this as well as i it's it's amazed me how many people in punk rock have went that way and still kind of are playing punk rock but it it took me a yeah that i mean that really that threw me for a loop when i first started hearing about like right wing first it was just like that asshole from the the misfits the Mm -hmm. michael graves or whatever graves guy uh, but then there's more and more of them. Like, yeah, you hear more of that now. And, and it took me a while to kind of wrap my head around it. But then I was like, well, you know, punk rock's all about counterculture. It's all about screw this, screw that. It still seems really incongruous to me. But I see well, if you take it at a superficial level, it might kind of make 
make sense. No, yeah, well. <laughs> think about eighties hardcore though. It was like so explicitly anti Reagan. Exactly. I mean, it was that's like, that's why it's it existed. Like, when I grew up with punk rock, it was all anti Reagan, anti like. Yeah. But then uh, you have the other side going. Well, it's supposed to be anti government. And so, yeah. you, but then why are you pulling for the, the Republicans then? Yeah, <laughs> to, yeah, explain that to me. Exactly. Right. Yeah. <laughs> or yeah, yeah. Going, like who's in the office right now? Yeah. Well, it may be. I don't know. It seemed to me it came straight from the the British. You know, it was a British like you know, uh, uh, pub rock, which turned into kind of punk rock. Was all about class awareness. You know, the classes are really have real distinct roles in mm. in the UK. It's all about well, we're the lower class, but we want more money, and that's what those songs are about. Like, hey, you can't take away our whatever, our money, our our housing, whatever. It's that same class stru- struggle that came over here, and you know, somebody like Reagan just came along and put gasoline on the class war fire and yeah so, so. so anyway like like i said like or like you said i kind of get it but it's not punk rock to me it's just no. it's a different type of punk mm. rock <laughs> i mean just look at donald trump and like ugh, what is, i mean all his people, other problems but aside. Then i had some people try to say that well that's like he's like a punk rock president no he's not <laughs> he is absolutely <laughs> he is not three-piece suit president and he's gonna rip exactly. you off any way he can exactly. he's gonna, why are you doing it he's a yeah he's a constant like just lying capitalist is like here i'm just gonna take all your goddamn money and you know it's just the whole thing's so weird i worry about this world man i think we're headed we're headed for some weird times yeah probably so yeah <laughs> well man i certainly appreciate it yeah right on mike yeah this has been a gabba gabba hunt media production Cool. Yeah, Dexter's great, by the way. I, you know, Dexter has the many moods of Dexter. He's always, he's always got something interesting going on. He's, he's such a unique musician. Mm-hmm. Like you know, you try and pigeonhole him as like a rockabilly musician, and he comes out and does this like crooner stuff, mm-hmm. and then he's playing Chopin on the piano. He's just so ridiculously talented. He's, yeah, yeah. He's, 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 he's another one I'd like to get sometime. But I, I was, oh, talking, yeah. I was talking.